Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, where we discuss meaningful business topics to add value to your efforts. Titus Bartolotta is a certified business coach that's often hired for one-on-one coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, here's your host, Titus Bartolotta. Welcome uh, to Solutions from the Huddle. Listen, we know that you could choose to do a lot of things with your time. You could be tuning in to all the other shows. Maybe you are, are, are binge watching your favorite Netflix stuff right now. We're all stuck at home. This show's happening right in the middle of all the COVID-19 stuff. So the truth of the matter is, is um, you got a lot of options and you've chosen to tune into this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. And uh, my name is Titus Bartolotta. I am so grateful that you've chosen to do that. We wanna get right into it today because we have an exceptional guest. Uh, somebody that I'm really proud of, uh, somebody I'm really uh, admiring on a regular basis. The individual that we've got today is special. And uh, we're going to start the show the same way we start every show, and that's in prayer. So we ask you to join us. If you are driving while you're listening to this, uh, don't close those eyes. Keep them wide open. Be super safe. Uh, but we're going to start in prayer. Lord, we give you glory and honor for all things. We ask that you would bless the show, our guests, our vendors, our sponsors, just everyone that makes this show possible. Uh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay. So guess what? I don't know if you're listening here in the Queen City, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know if you're listening across the country, um, but it, whether you know uh, our guest today or not, let me just tell you really quickly, we've got Mr. John Dressler on the program. Uh, John's really special. He's a, a native Philadelphian, graduate of Penn State, family guy, right? Uh, got some kids that are doing awesome and wonderful. And, and really, he's got five local restaurants that are super successful. He is a success. John uh, welcome to Solution from the Huddle, my brother. Thanks for being here. Titus, good morning. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me out. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I want to get into our topic. Our, our We call the show Solutions from the Huddle. Um, it's kind of a cute play on sports and business, right? So in, in, in business, we say, let's huddle up. Let's have morning huddles. Let's talk about how we're going to win the day. Uh, but the solution from today's huddle is leadership in crisis, you know, perseverance in crisis. And I thought in the state of our economy right now, in the state of our country right now, we, we, we're seeing probably restaurants, and, and no offense to other industries, but they might be getting hit as hard as anybody, maybe harder, and you own five of them, and you do so many wonderful things in the community, and I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to have you kind of speak to that a little bit. Before you get into leadership in crisis, though, Fill in the gaps with the intro. Tell, tell the audience a little bit about you, um, kind of where you come from, what, you're, what you've accomplished. And then if you could, tell us what's happening in your business right now, what you guys are doing to adapt. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, as you said, I, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, went to undergraduate school at Penn State, uh, got an MBA, University of Texas. Uh, started my work career when I was 25 years old. I had three job interviews. Uh, one was with Anderson <laughs> Consulting, which was degree specific. One was with the Chicago White Sox, which was my passion, and one was with Morton's Steakhouse, which was my practical knowledge. So I took the job at Morton's back in 93, thinking I would do it for a year. (laughs) Um, And May 25th will be 27 years full-time in the restaurant business. So, you know, you never know what what life is going to have for you, but just roll with it and see how it goes. Uh, My parents at a very early age taught me – independence. They taught me to be a forward thinker. Um, 
they, they also said that I was innately wired um, with some things that later in life turned out to be very helpful. Um, one of those is being able to deal with uh, crisis and being able to deal with um, stress. Uh, stress, you know, I have a 20 year old and an 18 year old. And when I tell my kids about stress is stress is something you place upon yourself when you don't feel you can accomplish the task at hand. Right. So if you're, if you're faced with a, with a deadline or you're faced with a, a, a big job or a big assignment, if you feel that you can accomplish it and that you will accomplish it, there, there is no reason for stress. Mm. You just, you just drive through and, and accomplish what you need to accomplish. Um, with the uh, pandemic, uh, that's been an unbelievable challenge. Uh, yeah. I know for the entire country, the entire world, and, and certainly I can speak to our industry. Um, just to give you a, a, a restaurant guy's perspective on it, yeah, uh, we went we went from a hundred percent sales to seventy percent sales to zero in eight days. So the governor shut us down on Tuesday. We closed our own restaurants on Monday. Prior to that, on Saturday, I called for a staff meeting at every restaurant. And I drove from restaurant to restaurant, allocating an hour to each restaurant and invite as many staff members as possible that could show up. And basically, I told them, hey, the end is near. Okay, I can feel the noose tightening. Uh, it might be seven to 10 days. It might be three to five days. It might be tomorrow. Uh, and literally as I was going around town telling everyone, Hey, schools will be closing imminently. By the time I sat in the, in the fourth meeting, schools had been shut. Wow. That Saturday, the issue had come down at five o'clock from uh, the state of North Carolina that schools had been shut. So I told, I told the staff, pretty much the same message through through all four meetings. And that was quite simply, um, I'll make you two promises. Okay, the first promise is that we will eat uh, during this crisis. We do family meal in all our restaurants every night at 4.30. That's something that we've done since the beginning of time, since the first day we opened the first restaurant. Uh, I always find it difficult for us to take care of you, to take care of the guest if we're starving. So wow. we, eat, we eat at 4.30 every night. We sit around as a group. We talk about who's coming in, what we've seen, what's going on in the restaurant business, what's going on in life. Just 30 minutes for us to sit around and enjoy each other's time. And then the second promise was that we would open on the other side of the, um, on the, other side of the crisis. Um, I lost a restaurant in the 2008 uh, financial uh, debacle. And sure. one thing I learned was you don't do a service to your staff by going down with the ship. You do a better service with your staff by figuring out how to maintain the restaurant and how to keep moving forward. So mm. I have those lessons from 2008, 2009 that I had hoped I never needed to employ, but I swore that if I needed to employ those service, those mm. lessons, I would do it. So. Wow. Um, I mean, that's, that's such a, a rich and authentic perspective that I would imagine so many of the great restaurant owners uh, across our country are feeling right now. And, you know, I know that there was this bubble and I don't know that it's sustainable or, or that it has sustained, 
but there was a bubble of, of energy and, and kind of a push to say curbside um, uh, right. takeout and delivery. And, and I think there was this camaraderie and, and patriotism and, yep. and let's support each other. And, yep. and, and, and what I've seen, and, and I'd love, I would, I would love for you to tell me that I'm wrong by the way, but yep. what I have seen is that that energy was really big. It spiked when I think people thought this was, you know, we'll be out of this in a few weeks. Right let's just go order a bunch of delivery and takeout. And, right. and then when it didn't look like it was going to be over in a few weeks, I almost have, I've seen less posting and less call to action for curbside and takeout. Um, t- tell me a little bit about, did you guys pivot? You know, did you, did you tap into that option and, and lean into that? And, and if you did, um, did you see a spike and then am I right? Did it, did it kind of go down or I hope to God I'm wrong and, and know it's still thriving at that, that high yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you certainly my perspective on okay. it. Yeah, so please. The first week that the governor shut us down, I, as I mentioned, we shut down a day early, uh, yeah. voluntarily. So we shut down on that Monday and we didn't do anything that week. Mm. I just wanted to assess, reassess, uh, absorb, yeah. re- listen, talk, um, just really get a handle on what's going on because things happen. Like I said, we went from a hundred to zero in eight days mm-hmm. and, and things were happening so fast when, when things, you know, really started to break. And I just wanted to take a deep breath, sit back, see what was going on, make a plan because I'm, I'm not really a half-assed guy. You know, if we're going to do something, I want to make sure we do it right. That's right. So we, we decided, um, you know, because there's also the, the moral dilemma of should you be open, right? Um, in in certain aspects, I feel coming to a restaurant and getting food where you have two managers and two chefs in the back making food is a heck of a lot safer than going to the supermarket where there's just hundreds of people in there every day, yeah. and hundreds of hands that touch everything every day. Um, so I think from a food preparation, a food safety standpoint, I'm totally comfortable with what you're doing, with what we're doing. If you listen to Dr. Fauci, who is the, he's like my, my guiding light. Um, he's the guy who says, go home, stay home. That's what you need to do. Go home, stay home. So that's been really tough. Um, that's been really tough for me trying to balance, and I, I certainly don't want to sound heroic, but it's just an honest answer, right? It's trying to balance the ability to pay a few people with um, should we be open, right? So that's that's like my daily challenge. So direct to answer your question directly, we, we closed the first week. The second week, which was last week, we opened. And yes, there was great fanfare and great posting and all that and, and a lot of, um, a lot of uh, feedback, positive feedback. And, and yes, this week is a little bit slower. What you're finding is people are kind of getting into a rhythm. You know, when, when the governor came out and said April 30th, you know, people kind of looked at each other and said, oh, wow, um, I'm going to be hanging out in my house for a minute. Yeah. So I think people have been kind of retreating a little bit this week more for that mm-hmm. bunker mentality. And then if we continue doing it uh, in the next few weeks, I think what you're going to see is a steady rise because People are going to be comfortable um, in their homes. They're going to be comfortable cooking. They're going to say, okay, let, let's go out and get something to eat tonight. I'm, I'm tired of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm tired of chicken on the grill. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, let's, go, let's go get something that we really want to do. So that's, yeah. that, you're spot on. Um, first week, great response. This week, 
um, definitely less less response, but still decent. Um, and and we'll see moving forward the payroll protection program, um, which we're in the queue for, uh, is certainly going to be a game changer because you have the ability to pay your people. So that moral dilemma of hey, can I pay my people versus what am I providing as a service to the public becomes a little bit more difficult, and that's something I've been wrestling with um, certainly this week. Yeah. We're talking with John Dressler, five restaurants local here in North Carolina, right here on Solutions from the Huddle. He's our guest today, um, a graduate of Penn State, family guy, um, uh, quite the community um, leader, super engaged and involved in his community, uh, nearly 30 years of experience in the restaurant industry. Crazy. John, um, tell, us, tell us about, I'm a big believer in necessity is the mother of innovation, right? I think that it's the mother of invention. I think it's the mother of creativity. I think it's the mother of worldview and perspective and, and all kinds of wonderful things. I mean, it really gives birth to just, just about everything. The last uh, a huge economic crisis of 2008 to 2010, uh, we saw companies like Venmo, Square, and Uber be created. Um, these are things that millions of people are using today. What are you guys doing to um, to innovate, to grow, to create? What, what what ideas are stirring in you today that you're going to probably implement when you got when when we do get back to what we would consider a normal? Uh, yeah. what, what are you going to bring with you from this journey uh, into the into the new actions? For uh, I think certainly in the short term, it's a great question. Certainly in the short term, one thing you're going to see is um, a lot of people continuing that that carry out. Um, I think that's, you know, delivery and carry out is going to be one big segue in our industry. Um, you know, we're certainly an experiential restaurant. We're a, we're a sit down, hands on place. Um, and that's still going to exist in the culture as time moves on. I think initially, as you as you emerge from this crisis and get back to some sense of normalcy, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, because people's habits will change in, in the eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks or however long until we get back to some sense of normalcy, right? So you've got you've to stay current with what, what you anticipate those changes to be. I think family-style dinners, you know, rather than, hey, here's a bunch of steaks or, hey, let me cook a steak for, for Titus and I'll cook a piece of fish for your wife. You know, family dinners, I think, is, is one thing that could come out of this. Um, where you see full-service restaurants going to um, a, a to-go program or a carry-out program, if you will, of of family dinners. Mm. Um, you know, whatever whatever that preparation is, it it might be completely dichotomous of of what you serve on your current menu. Um, sure. But you know, maybe you've got a chef in the kitchen who whose grandmother gave him the best lasagna recipe in the world, and and you know. You don't know how to make lasagna. Yeah. I, I imagine with a name like yours, you, you know how to make lasagna. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I actually, um, people that, that know me really well, I actually went to culinary school, spent a lot of years in the food industry. So I, I, I'm i a, I'm a, a food geek. My wife and I love people like you and all the wonderful things you guys do. Thank you. So, I, you know, that's, that's one thing I see. Um, and it's just, you know, really going to be kind of monitoring behaviors as we go along. You know, I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I always have been. It's it's actually three quarters full for me, uh, even now. Uh, and the one thing I I I I think will come out of this crisis is I think people will be more tolerant of each other. Mm. I think people will be more accepting of each other. 
I think you're going to see um, a little more kindness being exhibited in the world. You, you already see, like if I'm out for a walk, right, you already see people creating that six foot radius around each other. You see people, and, I, and because I work in a restaurant, I can't ever walk by a human being without nodding or smiling or saying hello. Sure. So I think you're seeing people a little bit more receptive towards each other. Um, you know, once, once people realize, and as we realize that, that this disease strikes everyone, right? Yeah. This is not a blue collar, a white collar, a famous and non-famous, a black, white. I mean, this is a, this is a pandemic. It's a virus that, that finds everyone and hits everyone. So I think that, I hope that what comes out of this is a, is a kinder, kinder, gentler, more um, patient society. Yeah, I know. I, I think that's a great perspective. In fact, my favorite thing so far is the uh, I'm not a half full. I'm a three quarters of the way full kind of guy. I think that was such oh, a yeah. way to say that. You know, I, I oftentimes um, think about some of the tragedies that we've experienced as a human culture. And one of the common threads is that it generally brings us together. Uh, you know, we watch people we watch people that normally wouldn't sit next to each other um, or sit at the same table in our country go fight a war together. Yep. You know, we, we watch people really find their better angels and, and really what, what pulls us together. So I agree with you and, and, that, and I'm hopeful of it. You know, there, there is that fear that I, I, I've had that, that the folks that didn't want to be connected, the folks that didn't want to be engaged, the folks that found all the reasons not to, I don't want to know, I don't know that love, but, but I, I, I want to say, they didn't want to love and connect and engage and be around people. And, and they found every reason to distance themselves. Sure. Those folks might now have fuel for that, that worldview. Um, and I hope oh, there's no we, question. I hope when we come back that we, we are able to actually really stay close and connected. Cause I think that when you connect with, with humans, there is no greater fulfillment of the human experience. And so I hope this doesn't cause people to have an unfair excuse to just go stay away, get away, don't talk to me, don't look at me. I, I hope, I hope that's well, not the case. And, and you make a great point because you certainly can't throw a blanket over the entire world. Mm, um, yeah. and, and yes, there are people that, that were isolationists. There's people that don't really dig people and, yeah, and yeah. kind of want to <laughs> go in their own corner. And, and yeah, you'll see that. They'll, they'll, they'll stay in their own corner and that's fine. Um, it'll take them a while to warm up, but uh I think for the most part, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of kindness. Yeah. And you're already seeing it. We're talking with John Dressler here on Solutions from the Huddle. Um, what do you think about the, the, the table setup, right? So in the dining rooms of restaurants, normally uh, you would see so many dining experiences where let's get as many tables and as many chairs yep. because we can only make the money based on the amount of bodies and how many times we can turn tables, which is, yep. uh, I don't know that that's a term used today, but back in my day when I was in restaurants, we would talk about turning tables pretty regularly. Yep. Yep. And so now you would talk about a bus boy or a bus girl, uh, a very quick busing experience to, to get someone else sat very quickly. And then also having as many tables as possible. What do you think will come out of this, not just for your five restaurants, but for the industry, that maybe has a slower busing process, right? With, with, with um, maybe more patient guests now that understand it used to be, it's like, Hey, we're trying to get your table ready. And people would say, I don't even care. Get us seated. We don't want to. And, and you're over here saying, well, we're trying to clean your table. Can you give us a few minutes? And, and half the time they wouldn't want to give you the few minutes. Well, now 
maybe restaurants are going to have to have a longer busing period and maybe not jam as many tables into a space. What are your thoughts on that for, again, not just your restaurants, but maybe even across the, the entire industry? Well, that's, that's one thing that we've discussed as a team and it's, and it's something that I've thought about for the last two weeks, right? Once we, once we started going into it, I'm a forward thinker, right? What, what's yeah. it going to look like coming out of it? So there's a couple realities and, and they're very harsh, right? The one reality is um, when, it, when they turn the wheel back on, the wheel doesn't just, you don't turn a multi-trillion dollar wheel off and then just flip the switch back on and it goes back to multi-trillion. It yeah. takes a while to get the wheel up. So people are gonna need to be comfortable coming out of the house. They're gonna need to be comfortable going into restaurants. They're gonna be need to be comfortable getting on a bus, you know, whatever those activities were. So yeah. yes, that's gonna take some time. So from a staffing standpoint, you're not going back to 100%. And to me, this is like football, right? This is, this is the end of the football season. We're in free agency right now. Um, you'd always love to have your team come back, but the truth of the matter is someone's moved home to Kansas. Uh, someone doesn't want to be in the restaurant business again. Someone went back to school. Uh, someone took a job at, at one of the resources that we provided for them and, and they're liked at their job and they're getting a, a raise and they're moving on in that organization. And then the truth of the matter is we're not going to need, if we had 50 people in a restaurant, we're not going to need to open a restaurant with 50 people when we, when we get back going. We might only need 38 or 40 or 40. That's a reality. And then the second part of the reality is what does it look like on the other side, right? If you had 40 tables in a restaurant and, and you can almost guarantee this, right? When we open, the Board of Health is going to say, okay, cool. You guys are back in action, but we're still going to have social distancing. There's going to need to be six feet apart of tables of, of people. So you're now going to have a process where you had 40 tables, but now you have only 24. Mm. So, so your revenue stream has been cut by 40%. Your revenue potential has been cut by 40% before you even open the door and let people in. Yeah. So, you know, that's another challenge for uh, revenue and, and meeting payrolls and, and needing people um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very real thing. It's something I think about every single day. Um, you know, I, on, on, I've sent my full staff, which is about 250 people. I've sent them, uh, three emails so far. Um, one indicating to them that we were shut and then subsequently each Monday and each Monday I send an email out with week one update, week two update, and we're getting ready to come up on week three update. And, you know, in there, you just talk about different themes. But the one theme that I that I talk about in every email is every day that we're closed is one day closer to us being together as a team again. Mm. And I look forward I look forward to that day and I cherish that day. But there was pre COVID-19 world and we know what that looked like because that was an awesome world. That was a lot of fun. Post COVID-19 world. We have no idea what that looks like, but it's going to be completely different. Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, Winston Churchill said that if you're going through hell, keep going. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and that's really what leaders do. That's what innovators do. You know, this might be a, a super crazy idea, but I wonder, you know, I, I don't think that it's impossible for people to understand and appreciate the concept of, of uh, an allotment of time. 
one of the biggest things that I would see back in my restaurant days and, and as a business coach and advisor today, I, I, I deal with a lot of people that are in your industry and, and we all have this underlining uh, issue that we really haven't been able to, to approach. And that's when a person comes in and they eat their meal and they linger and they're just there and they're not necessarily ordering more dessert or ordering more drinks. They're just chatting. They're just talking. And, and what could have been a one and a half hour experience, they're there for almost three hours and it, it slows down the momentum of a dining room. It slows down the momentum of the wait staff, you know, and, and there's an antsiness that that waiter, that waitress is like, okay, I, I've got to get someone else here. I don't want to be rude. I can't push them. We, yeah. We've got someone that's waiting. They, they had a, a reservation at eight o'clock and our dining room's full because not because we didn't do a good job of getting the food out. It's right. full because nobody's leaving. Right. Um, you know, and then God forbid it's pouring raining outside, even though they're done with their food, they've paid their bill. They're not right. ordering anymore. They just don't want to go out in the rain. So they're just sitting in here for an extra 45 minutes. Well, there's never been a good way to approach this. Um, but I know that it's been on the mind of restauranteurs for, for, for quite a while. How, how in the world we can't put a shot clock up on the wall that says right. get out. Um, but I wonder if when we get back to it, I wonder if there's a craftful, thoughtful, articulate way that, that in the same way when you book a one hour massage yeah, or anything where you said, I'm going to go do a thing and, and I'm booking yeah. a 30 minute escape room. I yeah. wonder if there's a way to, to communicate and market to the, to the marketplace and say, Hey, listen, we can't get 40 tables. We, we can only get 20 tables. Yep. So if your revenue potential has been cut by 40 plus percent, 60 plus yep. percent, the only other way to make that up, if you can't put more tables in the space, you either have to make your building bigger, which is not right. realistic, right. or you have to be able to communicate. Uh, we have to get this table turned by this period of time. You, you, you can't be in here for four hours. Right. No, that's, right? A, that's, that's a great, and maybe for, the, maybe for the first time ever, this necessity has created an opportunity for us to articulate that message to the, we always wanted to tell them that. <laughs> we right, always right, right. wanted to say, I, I love you. I Time's can't up. have you here for five hours. Right. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for us to get that message out. And uh, at some point we'll be able to put 40 tables back in. But if we get the message out, We'll put 40 tables back in, and yet we've already created the new precedent of you can't be in here for five hours. Yeah, no, what, do you, what do you think about that, John? That's interesting. I mean, that is, that's the minority in the restaurant business, right? I mean, if you, if you book 100% of your tables at, a, at 100% occupancy and 100% maximization, you're only setting yourself up for failure. I've, yeah. always, said, <laughs> I've always said in the restaurant business, I, I don't get paid enough money to get yelled at. Right? So <laughs> That's right. You've you've made the effort to come here and see me and have your reservation on Saturday night at, at eight o'clock, and you look you're looking forward to it. And for me to seat you at eight thirty or eight forty five or nine o'clock is completely unacceptable to me. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. As you as you have um, less ability to maximize, um, you may have time slots that people sign up for. That's, that's certainly, that's certainly an interesting, uh, an interesting concept. That's one I'm going to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Well, you're going to have that, that advice for free, uh, yeah, no, I'll take it. but I will tell you that, that we see this in so many other industries and um, it's advice that I've given to restaurant owners in the past, but we didn't have 
we didn't have a, an ecosystem that created a vacuum that allowed the opportunity for the conversation to be really approached. And, and I think now one of the things I tell clients, John, all the time is how do we find the opportunity and all the stuff that we're, that we're be, that's being thrown at us? How do we, if, if somebody takes a bunch of items and they throw 30 things at your face, there's a good chance one or two of those things are probably good. And if you can grab them in the middle of the air and put them in your pocket right. and keep them, you know, how do you grab the opportunities? And I think that step one is you have to be aware that there is an opportunity somewhere out there. Right. You've got to uh, be strong enough and bold enough to stand there and, and not duck cower or run away from the stuff being thrown at you so that you have a shot at catching it. Um, and then you have to be strong enough to not let it go. If you do catch it, if you're lucky enough or, or fortunate enough to catch it, what do you think about um, the opportunity that is available to people right now? I mean, they're, they're so caught up in their emotions and this is good and bad, right? They're, they're either scared and fearful or they're overly confident. They're like, we're going to get through this, but are they paying attention and maybe catching the opportunities? Um, are you seeing that, that owners, whether it's in restaurant or outside, are you seeing people looking for the opportunities or are they just looking for to get back to normal and get out of no, there? I, I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, okay. You know, there's, there's a little bit of both. There's some people are just kind of sitting back and, and letting it come to them. And then there's other people that are trying to create new revenue streams. Um, you know, and I, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a defeatist, but one of the things that I find interesting is that, um, you know, there are restaurants that can continue doing takeout and doing what we're doing with, with limited staff and make money at it, but they're not really making money at it because let's be honest, no one's paying rent. Mm. You know, very, very few people are paying rent. So if you had a restaurant that did say, hundred thousand dollars in sales in a week or $80,000 in sales in a week. And you're at 25% of that. Um, sure. You're able to cover labor. You're able to cover food costs. You, you probably can pay a few bills in a restaurant, but that rent number is very difficult. Um, I mean, you're going to see 2% of restaurants survive that way. So there, there does need to be a degree of normalcy come back. You can be as creative as you want during this process. And I'm not saying it's fool's gold or people are fooling themselves, but it's not, it's not going to be sustainable in a, in a long term. Um, so, you know, it's those guys that are looking outside the box and maybe it's those family meals, or maybe right now they're selling groceries they're selling toilet paper they're selling steak or selling chicken, ground beef, um, household items that, that are very difficult to find, or quite honestly, people don't want to go to the market and find them. Um, so, you know, you're seeing a bit of that, but, uh, I think for our industry to uh, survive and to get back on uh, a, a flat ground, you're going to need to see some degree of normalcy return. I mean, 30% of all meals are eaten in restaurants. So wow. think about, think about that number, right? If that number is dropped by 80%, um, you know, so 6% of restaurant, 6% of meals are now served in a restaurant. That's a tremendous strain on the supply chain. That's a tremendous uh, strain on, on manpower and the system and, and you know, what's going on. I mean, you look at who's hiring, right? Supermarkets are hiring, Amazon's hiring, you know, everyone's hiring short term, you know, so there, there is that flexibility in a lot of businesses. We have limited flexibility in our business on a long, on a long-term basis. Mm. 
we want to just say just a quick thank you to some of our show sponsors, um, CET Computer Repair, Rockbox, uh, Riverwalk. Thank you to MS Digital Solutions, uh, Speedy Oil Change, Mobile Smash Rooms, Business Leaders Unleashed. Thank you so much to those wonderful companies. If you want to learn more about those, just visit team-csg.com. You'll learn more about those vendors. You'll check out what they do and how they support our show. Uh, John, as we're almost coming up here on the end, and thank you so much for giving us just so much of your time. I'd love to have an opportunity in our last 10 minutes here or so. Tell us a little bit about the five restaurants that you have. You, you, you've kind of shared your idea on innovation, your idea on leadership and kind of uh, how, to, how to guide people, uh, not just your staff, not your, just your internal customers, but your external customers, how to be a beacon within the community. And, and I'm sure people are taking good notes, right? Lots of good things coming from John Dressler today. But I'd love to know a little bit more just about the business because folks that are listening right now are going to be thinking about where they're going to order their takeout, where they're going to order or maybe their delivery. And, and when we get through this, they're going to definitely think about where they're going to have their dining experience. Tell us a little bit about the five different restaurants. Um, you know, maybe they're not all dresslers. Tell us what they are and uh, kind of the style of the food and, and what people can expect when they pick up the phone or they do get in the car because it's essential to go out and get food and, and not starve, right? Sure. Tell us about your businesses and, and how we can learn more about them. Yeah, I appreciate it. We, we are uh, family first. We're a, we're a family-based organization. The restaurants are owned by my wife and, and myself. Um, I, I am very uh, prominent in the restaurants. My role has certainly changed through the years. In 2003, we opened the first dressers restaurant in, in Burktail. And, and really the mantra behind that was kind of real food for real people. You know, you looked at the ingredients on the menu and there's there's nothing in there that you didn't know. Um, if we had ingredients in there that you weren't familiar with, we, we just didn't list, list them on the menu, right? Mm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of protein, uh, protein-based restaurant. It's um, half steak, half seafood, sit-down white tablecloth, about a 350-bottle wine list. Um, so it's a nice place to go and enjoy uh, a nice meal. We've got uh, first three guys ever hired in the city of Charlotte. September of 1996 still work with me um, you know that's kind of part of our, our our culture which you know culture is a big buzzword these days and it has been mine for 25 years and you know the culture is um, you know it's it, people work with me uh, they don't they don't work for me um, our our philosophy is take care of the guest have fun make money we talk about the first two and we concentrate on the first two we don't ever talk about the third one, people are not allowed to talk about money inside the building. So Titus, who's a, a notorious high tipper, right? If he leaves uh, $50 on a, on a hundred dollar bill, we don't run around and say, Hey, look, I got a $50 tip. We just, we don't talk about money. Sure. We talk about taking care of the guests. We concentrate on having fun. Um, second restaurant, also Dressler's restaurant downtown in the metropolitan that's been open uh, 10 years now. We just um, redid the restaurant Had a big 10 year party, had about, 350 people out, raised, um, goodness, I think almost $40,000 for the Ronald McDonald House, which was wow. really, really, yeah, really, really cool opportunity. That's awesome. Um, great views of the city, a lot of similarities in the two dressers' menus, but you know, kind of let the chef have um, some, some subtle nuances and differences to the menu that they want to do. A third restaurant down in South Park, Dogwood uh, Southern Table and Bar. Uh, which we've actually renamed Dogwood Southern Table. We just, you know, the bar is still there. We just kind of took the name out of it. Um, that's uh, the, the, the mantra behind that restaurant was support your state on your plate. So 90% of the menu 
is grown, cultivated, farmed in North Carolina and South Carolina. And that was big to me was um, not necessarily farm to table because I don't necessarily feel that it's a trite term, but let's be honest, every restaurant serves food on a table that's grown on a farm. So (laughs) like to me, to me, farm to table had a different meaning. It sure. was it was support your state on your plate, right? It's yeah. here's North Carolina. Here's what North Carolina looks like on a plate. Here's what South Carolina looks like on a plate. I love so, that. Yeah. So actually, when you walk into Dogwood, there's a there's a a, a, a mural, if you will, a little a painting on the wall that says "Support your state on your plate," and it's attributed to anonymous. So I'm the anonymous. So oh. for those of, for those of you that go in there, you can check it out. Know who that's so cool. Is. But yeah, I'm not I'm not big on self-aggrandization or putting my name up in lights, so I, I didn't need to put that on there. Um, the fourth restaurant in the family is the Porter's House, and that's uh, in South Charlotte, Providence, and 485 in in the Waverly uh, neighborhood, uh, and that's uh, a modern chop house for the New South. So it's a steakhouse, but it's not dark and clubby. It's light and airy. It's got a it's got a cool bar. It's got a great cocktail program, just like we do at Dogwood. Um, open kitchen, you know, really, really neat feel to it. Um, and those guys, those guys, you know, chef does a great job. Those guys do a really great job down there. And then the last restaurant we opened, uh, just past two years ago, Levine Avenue of the arts, uh, called Finn and Fino. And, and that Finn and Fino is a, um, small plates seafood house with a really, really cool cocktail program. Uh, Brittany Kellum is in charge of the cocktail program there and she does a phenomenal job and they have a themed cocktail program that changes every three months Um, a lot of shareable plates which will be interesting to me as kind of the culture evolves you know how comfortable people are sharing plates um, you know because food is a very communal activity Um, so that's kind of one thing I think about is is does some of that community come out of it um, does some of that community aspect come out of the plate where I just want my own plate and I don't want anyone putting a fork near my plate. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, that'll be an interesting, an interesting thing to see. Um, you know, our, our management team in our restaurants, we only hire from within. Um, we've hired in the 17 years since we opened the first Burkdale, we've hired, um, one manager from the outside. Mm. So for us, the, the, the core philosophy has to be, um, you know, what our culture is and, and be able to maintain it. So it's not a matter of, do I have the ability to open 10 restaurants, right? Capital markets are unlimited. That, that may be changing now, but capital markets are unlimited, right? You can always go find money if you want to open a restaurant. Sure. But to me, it's, it's the culture, right? You have a general manager, an assistant manager, a chef, and a bar manager that are within the system. And I can deploy them to a new restaurant. So at the very least, I have the four managers and there'll be maybe four or five kids that say, oh, we're going to open a restaurant in Waverly. Gosh, I live closer down there. I'd, I'd really like to transfer down there. So always when we open a restaurant, there's eight to 10 to 12 uh, people that have already worked with us for sometimes years at, a, years at a time. And that's really important for us to disseminate that culture. And so when you go in any of our restaurants, you have that same feel, you know, you have that that guy that uh, that guy or gal that greets you you have that that great cocktail you have that great food you have that warm service and that that warm ambiance um so to me staying 
you know, we've had opportunities to look everywhere around North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, but to me, I have to be able to be in the restaurant. I have to be able to, I have to be able to see the, the guests and, and be with the staff and, and feel the culture and feel the love. Um, you know, a lot of my managers, we've been doing zoom calls with six, eight, 10 staff members during this, um, during this uh, crisis. And it's been very important for the staff members, but it's also been very important to me. Um, you know, I like to joke all the time. I'm, I'm a man of the people, right? I don't, I don't sit in an ivory tower and, and count money. I go, I go take, take dishes to the dish room. I go, uh, run food. I open wine. You know, I, I, I work in a restaurant. You know, you don't, you're not a restaurant worker for 25 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just stand there and, and watch people. Yeah. Um, it's never been, never been my style. So, um, we look forward to the day we can, we can get back at it and get the teams back together, get the families back together. Um, you know, in this interim, uh, we've been feeding staff meal at every restaurant. Uh, and that's been very important to me. Um, you know, for a lot of people, family meal and I go around to the restaurants at four 30. I just happen to find myself in a restaurant at four 30. Um, that's a big deal for us, right? It's, it's for a lot of people, they only eat two meals a day and, and family meal is one of them. Mm. We work odd hours, we do odd things and, and family meal is a big deal. So whether we stay open or whether we close uh, family meal will always be provided. So that's, I love that. Just, just extreme leadership. Um, great community engagement and service uh, solutions from the huddle. We're talking with John Dressler. This show is powered by collaborative solutions group. Uh, one of our big partners is easy living technologies, a wonderful audio video company local here in the Lake Norman community servicing clients. Um, we, uh, we want to finish this way, John. Uh, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for pouring into us. Um, I can tell all of our listeners that I uh, frequently uh, go and visit John's restaurants. The food is ama amazing. The, the the quality of the service might be the only thing that gives the food a run for its money, right? It's just a, it's a wonderful mixture of great service, great food. And, and the price is amazing too. I mean, I, I've, you know, John, I told you I'm kind of a foodie, man. I've been to Gordon Ramsay. I've been to all these celebrity chef folks that my wife and I both got a culinary degree and we were in the industry and we love going across the country to all these wonderful restaurants. And I got to tell you that I've paid uh, a lot of money uh, for for uh, a meal that wasn't as good as the meals that I eat on on the white cloth tables uh, of, of your restaurants. And you always find a way to make sure the price is amazing, uh, the service is amazing, and the food quality is amazing. And so I would encourage everyone to uh, go have an amazing experience with John and, and his family of restaurants right here in the Carolinas. John, thanks so much for being on the program, sir. We hope to have you back soon. I appreciate it. As, uh, as Mark Levy said, uh, adversity is, uh, is an opportunity for, for heroism. And what I'm doing is not heroic, but, you know, quick shout out to uh, first responders, to yeah. transportation, um, to doctors, nurses, everyone that's, that's really on the front line, uh, taking care of the American public and, and making sure that uh, safety is, is number one concern. So, Peace and love to everyone and uh, take care of your neighbor, take care of your family. Uh, watch out for the old people um, and, and FaceTime and Zoom and get in front of as many people as you can while we're, while we're hanging out and, and we'll be back out there having fun soon enough. Yeah, everybody go be great. We'll see you next time right here on Solutions from the Huddle. Hey, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. 
Thanks for tuning in. If you want to continue to support this show and be a part of our community, just simply subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any of the podcast channels from iHeartRadio to Apple to Spotify. We just want you to be a part of this personal development and professional growth community. Search Solutions from the Huddle, and we hope to have you back next time. Thanks so much.